morning, Celebration Church. I'm Mark Gunger, the senior pastor here at Celebration. Uh, this morning, I'm actually in Southern California. Last night, I uh, had the opportunity to do a special uh, presentation for Focus on the Family in California with Dr. Dobson and some of their top-tier uh, financial givers of their organization. Great opportunity. Uh, completely honored to have been asked to, to be there. But uh, as a result, I wasn't able to get back for this morning. Usually when I'm not able to be here, I uh, arrange for either uh, Pastor Joel home to come in and speak, but this time he's in China and able, unable to be there. Or I have my brother Eddie, who uh, comes very often to uh, fill in and to minister to our congregation. But with Eddie's uh, book success, he's in big demand right now all over the place. He's in uh, Brazil uh, as I'm speaking to you. Uh, he's been on one of the uh, top bestseller lists in, in the country of Brazil. And, uh, and I mentioned to you uh, a couple of weeks ago how he actually had been asked to come to the Vatican. So after Brazil, then he's going on to the Vatican. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what that's all about. He is scheduled to be with us again next month. So hopefully we can get an update from him about how well he's been doing with his book and what happened at the Vatican and some of his travels and stuff. Well, then I thought, well, maybe this morning would be a great opportunity for me to bring a message to you via video. Now, to our campuses uh, in Stevens Point and at our cafe, this is nothing new. They hear me every Sunday via video. But this is something new for the congregation here. And I thought I would take this opportunity, particularly as we're getting ready to launch into our fall campaign, so that you guys can get a sense of what it's like for the other campuses uh, to receive the Word of God this way. Now, this morning I want to speak to you uh, about a message entitled, the priesthood of the believer. And uh, we're going to be reading from Revelations, the first chapter, and verse 5. And it says here that from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, thank God, and he has made us, all the believers, to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So two things that we see here in this verse. Number one, God has made all those who have received Jesus Christ as their Savior a kingdom. We make up the kingdom of God. And secondly, those of us in this kingdom are all priests. We all minister directly to God. Now, historically speaking, uh, there's been kind of a multi-tiered system in Christianity. You know, there's been uh, those who have a special calling, those who are extra holy or extra special or, or given to extra study. We have called them priests. We've called them something special. They minister to God and, and, uh, and in some circles they even become the mediators between men and God. You know, they go to the priest to have the priest stand in for them and pray for them. But but this is very much a, a twisted concept in New Testament Christianity. Nowhere in the New Testament do you find this concept that God created a special 
uh, level of believers that are supposed to be called priests. Uh, they got this model from looking at the Old Testament, because in the Old Testament you did have that. You had uh, the people, and then the priests would come in and stand in for the people and minister to the people before God and pray for the people for forgiveness and stuff like that. But that Old Testament model was never supposed to be brought into the New Testament. What instead, as Jesus is talking about here, is that in the New Testament, the plan was not to have just a a special group of people to be priests who ministered to God, but that everybody would become priests who could minister to God. Now that's a radical concept if you've never heard this before, but the truth of the matter is we're all as believers priests unto God. We all have direct access to God. You don't need to check through me to get to Jesus. You don't need to check through anybody. You can go directly to him. That's why we encourage people to worship and praise as we've been singing this morning. You are in fact ministering directly to God as a priest. Kind of like what the old priest did in the Old Testament. Well now in the New Testament model, we are all priests to God. Totally different viewpoint on on the role of a priest. Now In the King James Bible, uh, the translation says uh, that God made us kings and priests. Uh, And in this translation, it's actually more accurate that we're a kingdom and we're priests. So we're a kingdom of priests, not that there's some kings and priests. Actually, there's a a teaching that's fairly popular today in Christianity called uh, Kings and Priests Teaching, where... Actually, I don't really have a, a big problem with the teaching per se, but what they're uh, arguing is that uh, just like in the uh, Old Testament model, it taught that the kings were responsible to bring provisions to the priests. And the teaching that they use today is that there's some people who are called to make money to empower those of us who are priests to do the work of God. Um, fundamentally, I don't have a problem with the concept. In other words, that people, different people are called to make money. This is true. We're not all called, I'm not called to go out and work a job in, in business to, to make money. I'm called to, to do what I do as, as a pastor. But uh, uh, whenever you go back to an Old Testament view of things, you always need to be careful because that's where people kind of get off. Uh, the truth of the matter is, Even though there are people who are called to make money and God uses them in business in different ways to be successful and who can give large amounts of money. Like I said last night, I was with a whole room of people who God has blessed to make copious amounts of money. And they give to large ministries like Focus on the Family and others. As wonderful as that is, the truth is they also are priests. There's not a separate, well, I'm called to just make money and you're called to minister the gospel. No, 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 no. We're all called to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what makes Christianity so different. Because many, many other religions around the world still pretty much use the king and priest standard. You know, you've got the people and then you've got the holy men of God or whatever they call themselves who, you know, speak to the people and are have direct access to God. The thing that makes Christianity so radical is that, in fact, that doesn't exist anymore. We all have access directly to God. We are a kingdom of priests. If us, as as members of Celebration Church, if we do this right, Celebration Church should be a church full of priests. All of us. Male, female. We all minister directly to God and can minister and advance the kingdom of God. Okay? Now, 
Um, what about pastors and those sorts of things? Where, where, where do they fit in? Well, let's look at Ephesians, the fourth chapter, starting at verse 7. Uh, Paul writes this. He says, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So we've all been given grace according to God's will. Uh, and in verse 11, he says, It was he, meaning Jesus, who gave some of us to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. There's all these different special ministry gifts but the very next verse says these gifts were are to prepare God's people that's all of us all the priests to prepare all of us priests to be able to do works of service another translation says works of ministry in other words true ministry isn't just done by people who well I've been called to the ministry no 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 no, no. we've all been called to the ministry we should all be doing it and the purpose of pastors and teachers and evangelists and all these different gifts is to empower all the priests to do the work of the ministry that God has called us to. Why? He goes on to say, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So, let's use an analogy here. Let's use the analogy of a boat. Here in, uh, in, in we in Wisconsin, live next to the, to the Great Lakes here, and we have these big uh, shipping vessels that go all over the place, uh, hauling around cement and coal and, and whatnot that they're all hauling around in these Great Lakes, but they've got these gigantic shipping vessels. Um, the pastor and the ministry gifts, if we're using the church as an analogy of, the, of one of these gigantic boats, the pastors and the teachers and those sorts of things are supposed to be more like the wheel and the rudder that guides the boat more than being the boat itself, the big hull or the engine that propels it. Now historically, the church has treated pastors and teachers and evangelists and, and whatnot as we're the engine that drives the, the, the boat and we're the, we're the hull that holds all the people up because we're, we're the pastors, we're the ministers and that it's the people who are the wheel and the rudder and they tell the pastor what to do. And historically, this is what Christianity has been like for hundreds of years in this country. It's probably the number one reason why of the 400,000 churches in America, 80% of them have about 100 to 125 people in them and no more. Why? Because they're using a broken model. You can't, if the pastor is going to be this gigantic hull and engine that makes things happen and the people just tell them what to do, well, you'll always be limited by the abilities of the pastor. Very few people can succeed in that kind of a role where the pastor, in essence, becomes everything. As a result, in Christianity, for so many years, we've had uh, very large rudders on very small hulls. And it's been a very awkward-looking boat. It's been very ineffective. One of the things that I appreciated so much when I came to uh, Green Bay, goodness, Ten years ago, maybe, for the, when we first came, and we were here for five years, and then went to Stevens Point for four years, and now we're back here again. But uh, when, we, when we first came, I was so impressed by Pastor Arnie's ability to break past this old model of, you know, the pastor uh, having to do everything. 
And, uh, um, and it's one of the reasons I believe this church began to grow so quickly. But even still, and, as, and, and Pastor Arnie would probably agree with me on this one, uh, as wonderful as he is, and I'll tell you, I think he is one of the most talented guys I've ever seen who can come into an area and build a church where nobody else can build churches and build rather large ones. Even still, at some point, it hit limitations. He would tell you that his whole life. He could build these churches up, but then he kind of hit a wall and weren't able to grow much larger. Uh, even Bayside. I mean, Bayside uh, here, this church has been about a 3,000-member congregation for, what, 10 years we've been at this? I mean, it go, it's gone up and down and up and down. It was down when we came, and now it's back up again to where it was before. But still, there's there's this size that we've been locked into. Uh, because even as... Uh, Wonderful as he was able to break from the old model, still um, he retained the role of, of the chief teacher of the word. He was the chief administrator. He was the, the head greeter in the foyer out there all the time. That's the one thing you'd always expect when you come. You'd see him, he's so tall, you know, you could see him working the crowds. Uh, he was the chief cheerleader. Uh, he did so many of these things. And there was a result that even uh, in this wonderful church, it could only go as far as as he was able to go. So the challenge this morning is, as I was preparing for this message, I thought, and, and actually I've been thinking about this for, for, for many, many months, is what, what, what if we changed that model? What, what if, and, and we started this thinking even in Stephen's point before we came here. What if, what if we started looking at this thing differently? What if the people, the priests, if you will, all of you became the hull of the ship that did the major hauling of the ministries. What would that do for the church? Where would the limitations be? You see, with the focus on the pastor, the organization will always be limited by him. And I'll tell you the truth. If we try to grow this church as far as my personal abilities are, <laughs> we're not going to get very far. I mean, you know, I, I think God has blessed me and, and I appreciate uh, the opportunity he's given me to speak into people's lives. And, and I guess I could sit back and say, well, gee, this is great. You know, we're, we're bigger than most churches. You know, even when we were in point, we were bigger than most churches when I was there and we're bigger than most churches in this area. But this isn't something that I think. I, I don't care about being stuck in one place. To me, if the, the if the body of Christ is healthy, it should continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. And for that to happen, it has to exceed my personal abilities, which are, quite frankly, in many areas, extremely limited. What, what if the ministry gifts, the, the pastors, teachers, evangelists, the prophets, all those kind of guys, what if we became what God really called us to do, which is to just be the wheel and the rudder? And if you look at these gigantic shipping vessels out there, the smallest part of all of that is that little steering wheel and that little rudder at the bottom of the ship. I mean, it's a small thing, but yet that wheel and rudder gives the guidance gives the direction. And, and what if instead of using the energy of people or some dynamic preacher to be the engine that drives the church, what if, what if we started letting the Holy Spirit be the engine that drove the church? I mean, where would the limitations be? If, if the focus was on the people doing the ministry... Doing the connecting, doing the praying, doing the standing in for people in need of God in their lives. 
Man, if we all get that, if you all get that, if all of you in Stevens Point got that, down in the, cap, uh, the cafe got that, those, those of you listening in, in the large sanctuary this morning, man, if we got that, what would our limitations be? There wouldn't be any. We can accomplish great things for the kingdom of God because it's not dependent now just on an individual person. Now, even in the book of Acts, we see this in the early church. If you look at Acts, the sixth chapter, uh, interesting little history lesson here. It says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing and they were growing by the thousands, they had this problem where the Grecian Jews among them complained against the the Hebrew Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So one group of... um, uh, um, People were complaining that their widows weren't getting as much food as as the other widows. So they came to the apostles and said, hey, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. We need to make sure everybody's getting the same treatment. We can't have special treatment toward the Hebrew guys and not toward those uh, who, who aren't. And so the twelve gathered all the disciples together, the Bible says. And they said this, look, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order... To wait on tables. Now, that's kind of a demeaning statement that they use. In, in point of fact, it was more than just waiting on tables. They, nobody was asking them to be the, uh, you know, the, the bus boys uh, at the tables. What they were doing was coming to the leaders of the church saying, Look, there's an inequity here. There's a lack of justice. Something's not right. Blah, 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 blah. And we always have things in, in any growing organization at times where there's inequities and things aren't quite right and things need to be adjusted. That's normal. That's healthy. The only area of life where you can depend on everything being the same is when you're dead. That pretty much stays the same all the time. We don't want to be dead. We want to be alive. And it always, life causes problems. Always has, always will. So these guys came and said, look, we have a problem. Now the disciples, the apostles said, look, they they blew it off as waiting on tables, kind of a little insulting. But the point was they thought it was wrong to quit spending their time in the word of God and in prayer to fix this problem. So what they did is said, look, brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So what they did is rather than get caught up in administrative responsibilities and even areas where there were inequities and judgment calls needed to be made, they turned these over to other men. And not just guys off the street. He said, pick the most spiritual, mature people among you and start taking some of this administrative load and spread it out. Don't expect those of you who teach in the Word of God, who minister the Word of God, to get involved in that stuff. Our goal, our focus should be exclusively to the ministry of the Word of God and prayer. And of course, what an incredible growth and power they had in that church because they were able to stay focused on what God had called them to do. So all of this causes us to relook at the ministry gifts like of a pastor in the church. Actually, if you look at some of the larger growing churches in America today, you'll see a significant break from the traditional models of the past. Uh, We see a pastor who is less likely to be the hands-on or the go-to guy, and more likely to be one who just ministers in the Word. 
and gives others the connecting responsibilities, others the administrative responsibilities, others the judgment call responsibilities. Why? Because when they can just focus on the Word of God and deliver the Word of God and focus on the, then you get the most powerful uh, part of the ministry that this guy's called to do. But when pastors, most senior pastors, stay in this mode of also still being the chief administrator and da 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 da, and the cheerleader and all these other kind of things, he takes time away from his focus in the Word of God. Now, one of the reasons that the, the campus model that, that we're focusing on, have been focusing over the last year, as we've brought together the Stevens Point congregation and, and, and the uh, Green Bay camp, uh, congregation and added the other congregation down in the cafe, is that this multiple campus model allows this sort of thing to happen where you've got your senior pastor or those few speaking gifts and I mentioned these to you earlier there's myself, there's Pastor Joel, there's my brother Eddie we pretty much are the guys who minister in the word of God who minister the word of God to Celebration Church and for the most part I think the three of us are pretty good at what we do but one of the reasons we're able to be pretty good at what we do and hear from God and minister messages that are relevant and life-changing because we focus on that. We're not focusing on dozens of other things. Uh, and these churches that are incorporating this model with these campuses where these teaching gifts can connect everybody via video or however they do it, it allows the church to grow at exponential rates. I was at uh, uh, a church in uh, Tulsa, or not in Tulsa, but uh, Oklahoma City uh, last month, a church called Life Church. And they have this model where they have uh, all these little campuses, and when I say little, each one is like 2,000 people that gather uh, all over Oklahoma City and, and, and even further out, um, and the pastor speaks and ministers that word of God, what he focuses on, to everyone via video, but yet you've got the local camp. The focus, the reason it works is the focus of ministry is not the senior pastor. It's the people. It's the priesthood of the believers. It's all of them being a kingdom of priests that advance the kingdom of God. And this church, every Sunday morning, over 21,000 people worship with that one church and all these locations. Allowing this church to grow. And, and it's, when we were there, the place was full of visitors. I mean, there's no sign of their growth letting up anytime soon. Because when you start making the people the focus of carrying the ministry and ministering to one another and praying with one another and experiencing God and, and standing in the gap for others and acting as a priest of God, well, where's the limitation? There is none. And that's why these churches are growing exponentially. And this is why we want to start going that direction here. Of course, now, for some of you where this idea is new, you know, and we certainly had this question at, at Stevens Point when we first started this a year ago, uh, not quite a year ago, and uh, even in the cafe, people said, well, you know, can, can sermons with video be effective? Can it work? Well, Yes, it can. For those who are even asking that question, it proves that it works because I'm getting you to think about this thing. Um, you see, true, the true power of the ministry 
is based in the word of God. And the word of God is not limited by the presenter or the presentation or by space and time. I am ministering the word of God to you this morning even though I taped this before I left earlier in the week. Is God limited by space and time? No, he's not. Never has been, never will be. Why? Because he's God and God's bigger than all of that. Look at Hebrews, the fourth chapter. It says here, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. That is the power of the word of God. Now some will say, well, can God really minister if the guy's not physically there? Well, yeah. The biggest proof of that is the Bible. The Bible ministers to millions of people's lives over thousands of years, even though the guys who originally brought the thoughts have been long dead. Why? Because God's word is not limited by time and space, and it does not need the physical person to be there to have impact. Every time you read your Bible, you're proving the fact that God can speak to you through someone who's not physically there. Why? Because God is there. He's always there. And he overcomes time and space by the, through the power of his words. Uh, actually, throughout history in the church, uh, many... Uh, uh, sermons used to be read aloud. I mean, some of these ministers and stuff, you know, hundreds of years ago, these great men of God who, who led these different, you know, everything from Martin Luther to, to Calvin to whoever would write their sermons. And those guys, I mean, they didn't have planes they could hop in and zip around the country. They didn't get around very often. But their message changed the world. Their messages completely changed history. Through great revivals, great moves of God. How was that possible? Because they physically couldn't go very far. These guys couldn't go very far at all. They were stuck in the middle of nowhere. The fastest thing they could get on was a horse. But they would write down their messages. And these sermons would then get up and be preached and read aloud to other congregations. And people would benefit from that. It was the, the ultimate des- display of this whole concept of video churches that we're talking about. It's just the technology is different. The technology used to be just paper and pen. We've gotten way beyond that. But the proof is that God's word can change nations if people will hear it. How it's delivered, whether it's physically in person, doesn't make it more spiritual or holy than if not. Now, if your mindset is, gee, I have to touch the pastor. If I can't touch the pastor, then, then I, I can't pray. And, and God can't hear my prayer if the pastor doesn't pray for me. And, and how can we make a decision if we don't have the pastor doing this? What are we going to do? We need the pastor. If you think like that, then yeah, this would never work. This would never work because I would have to physically be here so you could all touch me. And what a thrill that is. No! The reason we're doing it this way is you don't have to touch me. It's not based on me. My focus is giving you the word of God. The ministry needs to be spread out to other spiritual men and women who can help uh, support some of these other uh, ministries that need to be done. But the true ministry is done by the people. All believers. The priesthood of the believer. Now, some people who don't like this idea of, you know, video say, well, you know, I, I could just sit at home and watch a sermon on TV. It'd be the same difference. No, it wouldn't. 
There's no way you can experience at home what you can experience, what you experienced this morning. When you gathered together with other priests and corporately you ministered to God and the Spirit of God moved in here and you prayed corporately together and encouraged one another and be there for one another. You can't get that watching TV at home. There's no way you can even begin to equate uh, us sharing messages by video with just watching TV at home. It's not the same thing. There's a difference between sitting at home watching TV and being connected with the body of Christ. No way can you experience at home what you can experience when you gather together with a group of believers. The bottom line is this. It's time for the focus in the kingdom of God to be on the priesthood of the believers, empowering everyday men and women of faith with less emphasis on the pastor or the evangelist or whatever you want to call him. Those days have got to be passed. We've got to get this into people. It is people who need to be empowered to do the work of the ministry. Of course, the question is, well, can, can everyday men and women really walk in the power of God? Well, let's back up to Acts again in the sixth chapter. Remember, we just read where they were fighting over this stuff and they came to the apostles, you know, hey, you need to administrate this. He said, they said, no, we're not going to do that. Get some spiritual guys to do it. Everyday guys but who are full of the spirit. And let them handle this stuff. Well, one of the guys they picked was a guy named Stephen. And look what it says a few verses later in verse 8. Now, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great what? Did great wonders. How, wait, 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 wait. He's, he's watching tables. He's, he's up and make sure one widow doesn't get ripped off from another widow. He's a widow interferer. How in the world can he do great powers? He's, he's, he's no apostle. But look what it says. He says he did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. How is that possible? Because this stuff was not limited to the apostles. What was limited to the apostles was their focus on ministering the word of God and teaching the people. But it was the priesthood of the believers who experienced the power of God and went and did incredible things. And here is one of these table watchers, as the apostles said it, doing miraculous signs, incredible things. In fact, this guy was so powerful and got so much attention that the wrath of the uh, Jewish leaders at the time fell on him and Stephen was the first martyr in Christianity. They stoned him to death because he was so effective and powerful. Can God use everyday people? Absolutely yes. I love this in Mark the 16th chapter, the 19th verse it says, after the Lord Jesus had spoken to him he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God and then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. The disciples, not the apostles the apostles did it too. But the apostles was a select group, just 12 special guys. And it wasn't just pastors and teachers and those. It was the disciples, everybody, all the believers went and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked what? Just with the apostles and the pastors. Is that what it says? No. The Lord worked with them. Who? The disciples, the priests, all these priests of which you are one of. They went everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. They did miracles, and, and the power of God flowed through them. And it's why they were able to change the world. Now, we have the ability to travel faster than any of those guys ever could. But even still, we'll never change the world if we leave the ministry to a select few holy men of God. 
It has to happen with all of us. I'm going to ask our ushers and our musicians to come to the platform and uh, get ready to serve communion to everybody this morning as, as we bring this message to a close. While it's important that we all take an active part in the kingdom and realize that we are all priests unto God, uh, the first critically important step is to become a priest. You say, well, how do I do that? Do I have to go to seminary? No, 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 no. You just need to become a believer in Jesus Christ. You need to experience the grace of God in your life. Where you ask him into your life and he forgives you of your sins and, and energizes you by his Holy Spirit. And now you become, instead of just an everyday dorky guy, you become a priest of God. Doesn't matter where you're at in life. Doesn't matter if you got a lot of money or no money. Doesn't matter if you're brilliant or a nitwit. Doesn't matter what your status in life, married, single. It just doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. If you will walk in relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you become a believer and by default a priest unto God to minister the word of God. The first step is to become a believer in Jesus and have a real connection with God. Now the Bible tells us that whenever we take communion, we're celebrating the Lord's death. Why would we celebrate the Lord's death? It's because it's through his death and resurrection that we have forgiveness of sins and become become priests of God. So this whole thing that we do is we're about to take communion. We're celebrating the, the death of Christ. That he suffered on the cross for us so that we could have our sins forgiven. So that we could have this incredible role where God can use the most ordinary people on the planet to act as priests and to advance his kingdom. So my question to you this morning as we're getting ready to to have communion together is, where are you at with Jesus? Have you been made a priest yet? Have you been born again? Have you asked Christ into your life. You say, well, gee, I'm, I'm not that bad of a guy. I'm pretty good. Look, if you could be good enough, Jesus would just said, be good. And he wouldn't have gone to the cross. He didn't want to go to the cross. But it wasn't enough. You can't be good enough. You say, well, I, I'm pretty good. I, I give money to charity. Look, if money could do it, the Bible would have said, hey, just give a lot of money. And that would have been enough. And Jesus then would not have had to go to the cross. But you can't give enough money to it. Why did Jesus, the Son of God, endure this incredible pain and humiliation on the cross? Because it was only through his death and subsequent resurrection that we could experience forgiveness of sins. Jesus Christ is the cure for our deadly disease called sin. Jesus died on the cross for you because there's no other way for you to be free from your sins but through his death. I'd like us all to bow our heads in a word of prayer. And I'm going to ask everybody who's listening, uh, be it uh, at the Bayside Congregation or the cafe or at at the church in Stevens Point, I'd like us all to pray this prayer together. And if you have never opened your heart and asked Jesus Christ into your life, if you will pray this prayer with us and mean this, you can start on your faith walk with Christ today. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus... I believe you are the Son of God. That you loved me so much. You went to the cross. And took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart. And forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you.